Hello and welcome to the Trapping Today podcast. This is Jeremiah Wood. It's great to be here. Great to have you guys here for another episode. Been a little while, took a little break. Glad to be back. We're going to talk main trapping tonight. This episode of the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Cots Bros are the official sponsor and trapping supplier of choice for the podcast. Thanks to Cots Bros, they get a great selection of baits, lures, books, DVDs, all kinds of trapping supplies to get you going on the trap line. So check them out at CotsBros.com. We're also brought to you by my new book, More Than Wolverine, an Alaska Wilderness Trap Line. That book documents my journey to the bush of Alaska in 2020 and uh, goes along the... uh, ups and downs the challenges the um, the adventures of a a real trap line in the alaska wilderness and uh, it was it was an incredible experience i think you guys will enjoy it also go through a whole pile of history of the area that was once a, a hub uh, for the fur trapping industry and people that lived all up and down the rivers and uh, lived a a remote wilderness lifestyle um very very different than today so it's it's kind of uh, places that we were trapping kind of trapping among ghosts there um, abandoned old trap lines that um, where, where humans haven't stepped foot on for for generations so uh, you can get the book on amazon.com 20 bucks free shipping or you can go to trappingtodaystore.com and you can get a signed copy from uh, me so check that out. Appreciate your support. I really think you'll enjoy the book. I have a lot of good feedback so far. People saying that it's a, a fast, entertaining read. It's kept their attention the whole way through. And so uh, I, I think that if you haven't picked up the book, please check it out because I know that you're going to like it. As far as the podcast, I haven't done anything here, but I just checked the stats and people keep listening in. It's awesome. We have uh, a total of about 370,000 downloads uh, to podcast episodes thus far. And uh, there's like 100 to 200 new downloads every day, people checking it out, even though I haven't published an episode in like a month. So it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing. People are finding the show. People are uh, tuning in and going back and listening to all the old episodes, which is kind of cool to see those kind of increase in uh, in download numbers. Oh, actually, I said a month, but it, I did one three weeks ago, so <laughs> for whatever that's worth. But the reason that I like to see the old episodes continue to be downloaded is that, it, you know, you, 200 episodes is a lot of work to put all that together. And it's it's really awesome to know that people are continuing to benefit from it. And it wasn't all just like, a, you know, one and done type of deal where... Uh, like like a, a typical radio show that doesn't get recorded and and if you don't listen in live then you never then it kind of just goes away and disappears so these things live on uh, for quite a long time and I'm glad that uh, people new people are kind of finding the show and and listening in and and contacting me jrodwood at gmail.com I always love to hear that uh, he, hear from people that that found the show and 
and uh, learn more about their trap lines. And guys are sending pictures and stuff at the end of the season. That was pretty cool. And finally, an announcement on tanned fur. I just got a couple of shipments in from Moyle. Uh, awesome looking furs back uh, from the tannery. Great. They do such a professional job. Um, just really, really good quality. And I have uh, a box here in front of me with Fisher and Martin pelts. I have most of the Fishers are already spoken for. So I get to get in touch with people, make sure that they're, I think, well, I only have five Fisher in this box and three of them are spoken for. So there's two that potentially, if you're interested in a Fisher pelt, uh, let me know. Uh, I will be putting those up on the store sometime in the next week or so. And also Martin, um, I got, I have, there are quite a few Martin pelts on the store. So check them out if you are looking for a tan Martin pelt or several tan Martin pelts. I may even give you a discount uh, if you want to buy multiples because I have quite a few of those left. And I have, I believe I put two beaver, tan beaver pelts up there. Those are the only two that I have right now. Um, either two or three, I can't remember. But anyway, that while supplies last, I don't have any others coming in this spring. So check them out if you're looking for some tan fur. I sold the last coyote the other day. Um, I don't have, there's not much else there. So um, it, the fur sells kind of slow and steady and, and it's starting to get kind of sold out, which is good. And that's all at trappingtodaystore.com if you are looking for tanned fur or lure, books and t-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, the whole deal, trappingtodaystore.com. Now, time for tonight's episode. I had a guy named Avery, a young fella from Ohio, who had some questions about trapping in Maine. And he was interested, he's a college student, and he's interested in taking a vacation to come up and trap here. Probably going to be beaver trapping. He had a lot of questions, and I thought it was a great opportunity to have a conversation, record it, and uh, maybe put it up on uh, as a podcast episode to help other people learn. And it turned out it worked out really well. He had a lot of great questions, and um, I, I was able to work through a lot of that stuff with him and explain a lot of the things about trapping in Maine that I'd never really thought much about. And so if you are from out of state and you're interested in trapping in Maine, or if you're new to Maine and you, you are a trapper and you want to learn more about trapping here, or if you're just trying to get familiar with it and, and your interest have some sort of interest in it, uh, I think this is a great episode to listen into and get a little bit of the inside scoop on what it's like to trap here, what the laws are like, the the land, the opportunities, different species. We talk about uh, beaver, marten, fisher, uh, a bunch of other stuff. So, um, yeah, this is it. We'll we'll uh, go for about an hour here on trapping in Maine and. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks again for listening in, and uh, let me know if you get any questions. All right, guys, take care. So, uh, yeah, what's your background? How'd you get started trapping? Well, I uh, grown up in Northeast Ohio, and that's always been uh, a lot of farm ground up there. And uh, I kind of, I always grew up hunting and fishing and stuff, but. Uh, my grandpa was having problems with groundhogs in his field, so he ended up buying me some traps. And uh, as a kid, that was just the best part of my day was getting out and checking traps. And eventually I moved on to raccoons and muskrats, and it's history now. <laughs> so what does trapping look like uh, for you today? 
Um, today I, uh, I trap in mostly Northeast and Southeast Ohio. Uh, I trap, uh, mostly beaver and I go after some otter, uh, a lot of raccoons and muskrats and coyotes and fox when I can catch them. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not always the easiest. No, that's for sure. I, I kind of struggle with them. So, yeah. So anyway, um, you got in touch with me because you wanted to talk about trapping in Maine. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, thinking about a non-resident beaver trapping trip. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming that Ohio allows uh, non-residents to trap beaver in your state. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so Maine has this funny reciprocal agreement where uh, it used to be that non-residents could not trap beavers in Maine. And instead of just, you know, changing the law to where anybody could, could trap for beaver, non-residents could come to the state and trap any other species, but they could not trap for beaver. And that was, wow. that was one of those old outdated laws from back in the old days when beaver were worth more money than any other fur. And uh, so uh, I, I think a lot of local trappers were concerned that people from out of state were going to come and catch all the beavers that they were making a living on. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, that that has changed quite uh, substantially. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, we're in a point now where they, they, they changed the law to allow non-residents to trap, but they did it with the reciprocal clause where they will only allow that if your state the state that the trapper comes from allows non-residents, uh, allows trappers, people from Maine to trap. <laughs> Interesting. When uh, when did they change that? Oh, I want to say that was about 10 years ago. I, I could ah, be off, best. but it, it was, you know, 10 or 15 years. It was fairly recent. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, probably not nearly as much competition now for a $10 beaver, huh? It is not. No, I averaged mine averaged just under eleven dollars here at Fur Harvesters. Um, oh wow! In, in this uh, this past weekend, and hmm. they're uh, they're a pretty good quality beaver here, but um, they bid pretty good on the the larger beaver and everything else. Just everything uh, medium, lar- large, medium, and down was like five, four or five dollars. It was pathetic. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think on my better ones, I was you know getting around like you said maybe in the ten dollar range and smaller ones it was pretty bad four or five dollars yeah yeah. Uh, yeah certainly not nearly as much competition out there yeah so yeah um I, this is just like no format here just fire away whatever questions you have i'm guessing you've been thinking about questions and things to yeah. talk about yeah um well i've I've taken like non-resident hunting trips before I've been West Virginia, Pennsylvania, but obviously, as you can imagine, trapping would be like a whole different world. Um, I don't know, just, I guess as far as the state goes, as far as Maine goes, I was, uh, kind of interested in like weather. So I'm, uh, I'm a college student right now. So I have to arrange this trip to where it would fall within my fall break or spring break. So that would, essentially be the end of November or the first week, first couple weeks of March. Okay. Um, I know, uh, I know the weather's certainly different up there compared to what we have here in Ohio. <laughs> do you have a snowmobile? <laughs> I do not. Okay. Then you don't want to go in March. <laughs> yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, uh, it, you'll have, 
between two and three feet of snow that depending on where you go and the location that you had talked about going is a really good place uh, to go because there's it's wide open as far as landowner permission and and there's Mm -hmm. tons of places to go but that's north north woods country where it's it's all logging country and the only Mm -hmm. places you can go that time of year without a snowmobile is a plowed road and Uh. the plowed roads out in the woods that time of year can be pretty dangerous during the week there's big log trucks you you meet oh, yeah. you got to be on the radio be on the right channel on on mm-hmm. uh, mers radio to make sure you know who's coming at you and big loaded oh, wow. off-road log trucks that aren't even legal to go on the the, the roads the main roads mm-hmm. uh can be kind of scary <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the, the march trip would be good if a guy had like a camp to go to and you had a snowmobile <laughs> and you had a route to run and stuff but so it's uh it's looking like the end of november is the i think <laughs> so time. i think that'd be a pretty good time and and you get you will have you will have deer hunters um but it since you're beaver trapping there there won't be the conflict uh, necessarily that you'd see with with like uh, coyote trapping coyote fox and coyote trapping can be very difficult during deer season uh, ah, yeah. here so because the land is so wide open in northern maine that everybody has permission so (laughs) so, uh, you can't keep you know you 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 could find a few small holdings like like uh, farms Mm -hmm. you know a hundred acre farm or something like that that you could go and trap and you know who's coming and going but the majority of the land uh, you got to accept the fact that anybody could show up at any time so yeah like with coyotes when i when i've coyote trapped here i i would try to get everything checked in the dark uh, before daylight because as soon as it gets light the bird hunters are out everywhere and oh uh, or the deer hunters depending on the season mm-hmm. and, and it's it's pretty challenging you know that there's guys that know know the drill and they mm-hmm. won't bother anything but there's other people we get we have a lot of out-of-staters now coming for birds rough grouse populations here have oh, wow. exploded in the last like 10 20 years it's been unbelievable so so it's become really popular for people to come up here and hunt with dogs and so you get the dog gets caught in a trap once in a while and they get to release it and and uh yeah or or people that come up and they have no idea and they see a coyote but they've never been around trapping before and they see a coyote bouncing around they don't realize it has a trap on his foot and they shoot it Mm -hmm. and you, you go there and you get a big shotgun or rifle bullet hole in your your pelt and, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's always fun. So, so I've had that. have you? Ha- you've had that happen in Ohio? Yep, yep. Always during deer season. Yeah. So, it, but beaver. I mean, I've never had any conflicts. I've had I, I've had people shoot. Like uh, last year, I had uh, a beaver that was I set right on a bridge, and mm-hmm. it's it a pretty open spot. But it was thirty. It was. 30 miles from the nearest pavement so i thought well you know won't be too much traffic i was on a three-day yeah. check and i i went back actually uh two days after i set it and my beaver had it was on a drowning rig but it hadn't the wire got kinked and it hadn't yeah. made it all the way down the slide wire and someone had shot it so oh, I, really? it wasn't a big deal um mm-hmm. it, you know he didn't put it he shot it right in the head and everything was all good but um, you may run into that, like you may have if someone sees a live beaver from the road. But I mean, anything you know, con- bear trapping, anything drowner sets that that are working good. I mean, there's there's no issues. I 
if okay. you have to put waders on to to get to a spot where anywhere that you're going to be trapping, you're not going to have any issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's encouraging to hear. Yeah. Um, now, as far as like places to trap, so from my understanding, private land you can trap without permission, but it's encouraged to get permission. Well, it's like all the laws in Maine with trapping is very complicated. Okay. <laughs> yes, I've under. Yes, exactly. You, you read the book, I imagine. I, I've tried many times. Yeah. It, is, it always leaves me with more questions. I think you might have an easier time getting a law degree than understanding these laws. <laughs> but um, here's the simplified version of it. For general trapping, you always need landowner permission with the exception, okay. the exception that in unorganized townships, it is in uh, unorganized townships are all defined. There's a there's a definition of them on the Maine Trappers Association website if you if you are okay. interested. And if that township is defined as an unorganized township, you have the unorganized town check laws, and there's kind of an implied implied permission to okay. uh, that you are able to trap without getting written permission now you can go and get that i mean technically the law it, it's kind of it's it's kind of sketchy but if you were going to go up and say martin trap in the woods you yeah. could talk to the landowner and ask them to write you a letter and they're probably going to say no we don't get we don't we give everybody permission. We, we, we got trappers there all the time. We don't write letters. You may get mm -hmm. that, but at least you know that you've done your due diligence. You've talked to them and, yeah. and it's good. Uh, and all the wardens up here that I know and familiar with, they understand that. And that's the way it works. As mm -hmm. soon as you get outside of the unorganized townships, you need permission on every place to trap. Even if it's an industrial timberland owner, like I okay. get a timberland owner that I trap on, they have, over a million acres in the state and okay. there's like three or four towns that they have land in that's that is that are organized and okay. i don't i don't need permission on any of their million acres except for those three or four towns and they write me a letter uh, that gives me <laughs> specific permission. Uh. so that is general trapping but for <laughs> beaver trapping there's a clause in the rules that permission is not required to trap for beaver Okay. <laughs> so, just like wow. anything else, you go through all that that uh, yeah. uh, complex rules, and then you realize, oh, there's one sentence that says I don't need it for beaver. Now, yeah, th there is one thing you need to check with beaver. There is a special section in the back of the book that has, in every wildlife management district, there are certain places that are closed to beaver trapping. Okay. And there's two, generally two different reasons this is taking place. One is because it might be a pond where the fish biologists were concerned that they didn't want beavers trapped out of because the beavers were maintaining the water level of the pond. Okay. So they closed those um, specific ponds. And the second thing, which is, is pretty common, is a landowner did not want someone to trap for beaver. And because the statewide trapping laws do not require permission to trap for beaver. Uh, the state has posted those areas in the list on the book and just closed them to beaver trapping specifically. 
Okay. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, so as far as just beaver, um, you don't necessarily need the permission, but they have closed areas. You have to check. You just with. have to check and make sure. And, and like, I trap in like the first six WMDs generally. And okay. WMDs one through four. It's one starts way up north, and then it goes counts up all the way down, and like uh, the bottom part of the state is like twenty, the high twenties. Mm-hmm. But uh, one through four have zero closures. That's all timber industrial timberland for the most part. There, there's not much for private landowners, and and there's no closures there. Okay. Uh, WMD five only has like two closures. One was actually on my road, and. Uh, WMD six has three closures and w, okay. you know, so they're, they're very, yeah. most of the places you're going to be trapping. I think you'll be like one through 15. You'll be mm-hmm. something in, in that area. And you're, you're, you just have to check those to make sure you're not in one of those closures and you can okay. trap anywhere else. All right. That makes sense. Hmm. So uh, as far as finding spots to trap, just uh, coming from out of state, it shouldn't be as much of a challenge. No, you're going to have, uh, because now that we've had the spring season, there are some mm-hmm. guys that are hitting it in the spring. But where you're going, the further north you go on, on that road system, that area, you're going to notice that, uh, well, you won't notice it, but, but uh, I will have noticed it is the the season, the spring season goes to the end of April. And mm-hmm. that that has so much snow and ice that you can't open water trap, even though it's open to trapping, you can't get, wow. you don't get any open water to do it. Um, wow. it, it depends on the year. Last year was a really open year. It, it melted off quickly. And, uh, the guys, the guys that I trap hang out with the trap here mm-hmm. really hardcore, like Billy Thompson, you probably heard him in the podcast, uh, yeah. before, um, this was the first year in like maybe 10 years that they were able to go everywhere. Uh, by the end of April, they were able to go way out in the big woods and they did a bunch of trapping out there. Um, I think 2012 was the last time they were able to do that. So, wow. um, so that, so 2021 was the first time and this year is shaping up to where I think depending how things go, we still got, uh, two to three feet of snow on the ground. Uh, it's, we're getting a few warm spells, but it's been cold. I think that where you're going to be trapping, it probably will have gotten no spring trapping pressure. Okay. And then even if it was trapped pretty hard in the spring, the beavers are still do a lot of moving that time of year and, mm-hmm. and they can establish. And I mean, you're going to have that if you're driving the major logging roads and there's been logging activity, there is a chance that the logging companies have paid an da- animal damage control trapper to kill beavers right on the road. Okay. So, so one thing that you'll want to do, like what I would do is get on like Onyx maps yeah, and start scouting and just look and you'll see beaver flowages from, from the aerial images and you'll see the streams and stuff and, mm-hmm. and maybe like map out some routes on these road systems to give you an idea of where you want to go and scout. Okay. Um, and, and then just start, start going when you, when you get there, kind of have a, a route planned out and just drive and until you see white wood. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. Just see beaver working sticks and mud and, yeah. and uh, okay. fresh activity and, and you'll be in it. And there's a good chance if you're 20 miles uh, from a town, you're, you're going to 
almost certainly be the only one there. There might be a couple of trappers. The town you were talking about going to, I actually bought a bunch of traps from an old guy that still traps out of there. And there's a couple oh. more guys that do, but uh, they don't they don't hit it really hard. What they'll probably be doing is getting a few beavers for bait for Martin and Fisher season. Ah, okay. So, you know, you may go to a couple spots that look good, and there may be a few traps by the road. But if you hit, you know, you, you hit enough spots, you're going to have 90-plus percent of them to yourself, I would I would bet. Wow. Oh. Hmm. That's very encouraging. Now, uh, kind of backtrack a little bit. So, the – like the deal with public land and stuff and private and I mean, private being able to access it. Does that apply to public land if you're beaver trapping as well? Yes. Uh, you mean the, you mean as far as permission? Yeah. Yes. It's treated the same. No, no permission is required for public or, or private. Um, okay. And in like for public land, uh, you can do other methods of trapping without uh, written permission on like state wildlife management areas. Okay. Uh, those are all open to trapping without written permission. Wow. So all pretty much all public and all private open to beaver trapping. Uh, in unorganized towns. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Yep. Yep. So okay. it, it, well, yeah, you're right in, in organized towns as well, where there aren't the closures that for beaver, you're right. It is pretty much open season. <laughs> now wow. uh, you're, you may, if you're closer to town, which in the farm country and in near the towns, there are more, there are higher densities of beaver. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, there's less ground. You get out in the big woods. You've got to travel more. There are l- lower be- beaver densities, but uh, you have much more opportunity to, to, you know, to cover a large number of beaver colonies. Um, but if you get into near town and and you're on you're in you're in an organized town. Okay. If if the land is posted, you can't cross land to get to the spot to trap beaver you have to go ah. through the water okay so let's say you're, you know you get a road crossing you you have to get in at the public uh you know off if you're on a, a state road or a town road you stay <laughs> within the right away and you can access the water from the right away and stay stay in the water okay hmm. so uh the posted land is the exception then correct yeah in, in maine uh for for hunting or just walking, stepping foot on property, it's all implied permission unless it's posted. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Now, if you wanted to set a coyote trap there, you would need to get written permission, even if it wasn't posted. Okay. If it's in an organized town. Um, but yeah, for, for, for beaver or for just hunting or just going to check a place out, if it's not posted, uh, you're good to go. Okay. And that's going to be, it's either going to be your typical no trespassing signs or there's going to be like uh, two, one or two purple horizontal stripes painted on a tree every hundred feet. Okay. Uh, there's some, there's something written in the, in the book about that, but it, that's, those are gen, the general conventions for posting land. <clears throat> Interesting. Hmm. Um. So, for the area I was planning on going to, I was kind of leaning towards a fall trip, maybe to get a chance at Weasel or Martin. Um, Do you know anything about the populations around there? 
the that area. So this is this is where your your Onyx um, scouting is going to come into play for Martin, because uh, th- that traditionally was a really good Martin area, but the timber has been harvested so heavily that the Martin habitat is not what it used to be. Mm. Um, it's actually the fisher population seems to be exploding throughout most of that area as well as up further north where I trap. And, and so you really have to do your homework and look for that uh, contiguous areas of old growth forest. Um, Especially one of the things to look for is public land and uh, large patches of public land that that's managed differently. State state land is still harvested for timber, but it's done much differently. They leave a lot more cover, and okay. they leave a lot of martin habitat generally. Okay. So those would be the things to look for. Look for waterways, places um, where there just hasn't been as much timber harvesting. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you, you martin weasel weasel are pretty much. I, I haven't seen any uh, correlation as far as weasel with that overall weasel numbers and land use practices. Um, I have noticed that uh, in places where I catch, this is just a pattern that I've noticed, and I don't know how statistically if it's really significant, but we have both long tail and short tail weasels. Okay. And in places where I catch more marten, uh, which is going to be your more your higher elevation country, uh, your less harvested, heavier timber, more cover. Those areas I tend to get more short tail weasels, and <clears throat> places where there are fewer marten, and there are more fisher, and it's more heavily cut over, I tend to catch more long tail weasels. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now uh, another question I was going to ask you, kind of on that route, so. Do you run any of the like rat traps and weasel boxes, or do you just catch everything on your Lynx exclusion? Everything I catch for weasels is on the Lynx exclusion devices. They're just incidental to Martin trapping. Okay. But those those snap traps, I think, can work pretty good. Okay. It's they have to be within an enclosure with I think what two inch opening. I think yeah, I read two inch opening. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I really understand what you say about Maine's regulations being kind of confusing. It's uh, definitely different from what we have here in Ohio. Yeah, they were confusing to begin with, and then when Canada Lynx became listed as uh, threatened under the Endangered Species Act, it just made everything ten times worse. Oh, man. Yeah, so every a, a lot of those Martin trapping regulations and anything with body grip traps on land has mostly to do with uh, preventing the incidental catch of a lynx. And, and you'll probably notice uh, that you'll probably see lynx when you're out here, I would guess. Really? Um, there's a good chance of it. I mean, I, I see at least three or four a year while I'm out in the woods. Wow. Okay. And not looking for them either, just driving around the roads. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they're more common. We almost have no bobcats up here. Um, wow. Where you'll be going, you'll be right on the edge of bobcat and lynx habitat. You'll probably see more lynx, have a better chance of seeing lynx than bobcat. And uh, in some places, I actually see more lynx than I see coyotes. Wow. Wow. Interesting. 
so are they uh sounds like they're somewhat prevalent there yeah and you got to be careful if if you if you do want to use foothold traps and set a few footholds for coyotes uh, you may not i wouldn't even bother with it i'd just focus yeah. on the beaver trapping because it's simpler <laughs> um, that's because yeah. because you're gonna have to have um you're gonna have to have a j trap with jaw spread of five and three eighths inches or less it's gonna have to be center swiveled with three swivels on the chain you're gonna have to make sure your catch circle is free of any debris uh 360 yes. degree circle and you're gonna have to uh be careful depending on the season you're gonna wa have to watch whether you have any exposed bait um near your set so there's there's a pile of or visual attractors you can't use visual attractors certain parts of the season and stuff so um it gets that's where i would get maybe a little bit nervous and then even then, not a big deal. Okay, you want to deal with it and go and just trap coyotes. That's great once you get it all figured out. And it can be done. No problem. But if you catch a lynx, you're typically going to have to sit on that lynx for hours because you have to call it in. So you have to, yeah. you have to get to a spot where you can use someone's sat phone or get to where you can find cell service. So you might have to drive. In some cases, you got to drive two hours to get to town to – or, or an hour and a half to get to a high spot closer to town where you can hit cell service. And then you got to call a warden or a biologist. And then you got to go back to the trap and sit on that links and wait till they get there. And wow. they have to do a full checkup on it. Um, make sure that there's no injuries because under the endangered species act, they're required to make sure that trapping does not result in any more injuries to links um, or a taking of links, which would be, you know, a links that, that uh, eventually died from injuries related to being trapped. So that's uh, th there are very specific rules set out in the incidental take plan that was approved by the feds to allow us to continue trapping here. And so it could mess up your whole day. And <laughs> what, what a lot of times what happens is guys that try to check all their traps in the dark, they catch a lynx and it's like, oh, great. Now there's going to be hunters going through my next 30 coyote traps and anything I catch is a good chance that it's either going to be shot or someone's going to call and report an illegal animal in the trap because they don't know what, what it is and they don't know what the rules are. So, so it, it's, it takes a special person who can deal with a lot of BS, uh, to, <laughs> to be a coyote trapper out in the big woods. Oh man, it sounds like it. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound like a complainer, but I want to, I want you to know so you can avoid uh, potential issues yeah. <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I kind of, uh, reading up on the regulations from the ones I understood, I kind of decided probably better just leave the foot traps at home. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, with beaver, you're going to have some some weird regulations that you may or may not be used to um, at home. You're, you're, all of your conibears are going to have to be set completely underwater. So yeah. they can't be partially submerged. They got to be fully submerged. Yep. Um, you're depending on your wildlife management district. Some WMDs have setback distances where you need to, you can't set within 10 feet of a beaver house. Okay. So you, you got to be aware of that. And some of them you can't set within five feet of a beaver dam. Okay. Some of the districts a lot of the districts have both of those requirements. It, most of central and southern Maine, you can't set within 10 feet of a house or 5 feet of a dam. 
most of what? northern Maine, the like WMDs uh, one through four, I believe, or one th- one two four and yeah, I think one two and four, one two four and yeah, they those those districts have no setback laws. Okay. And other districts have one or the other. Like you you can set you can set close to the house, but you can't set close to the dam. <laughs> now by a den. Does that include bank dens or just the lodge? Uh, the the so the house they they define it as I think it's a house they they may say den there, um, but it's anything that's capped with mud and sticks. Okay. Okay. So if it's a bank den and there you you know typically a bank den is going to be considered a house by that definition. Okay. So that if you have the right area, I mean it's just so easy to stick a trap right in front of the the beaver house. I mean, yeah. it's just, that's why it's frustrating. It's like, oh, I get to go 10 feet. Um, sometimes though, I mean, if you have the, the area, the room, it, it can be pretty easy to avoid, to, to deal with that. And the same thing with the dam, you can get around that five feet issue by, you know, putting sticks, making a fence uh, perpendicular to the dam five feet out and then setting your 330 just underwater. Uh, and, and having a dive stick there and you can still do a, a dam break type set where they're traveling along the dam you just yeah. got to funnel that beaver and make them get five feet away and then get into your trap gotcha <laughs> so kind of a pain but something you have to deal with huh? yeah yeah i when i started i thought oh this is ridiculous but then i see like some really good old timers and uh they've taught me a lot on how you can can still catch beaver without worrying about the rules uh you know worrying about the rules being so restrictive the other good thing about this area is it's not so much in the fall as it is in the spring but it's still really good in the fall uh beaver go crazy over caster here oh okay you can draw them a long ways um it, it seems like they're just super curious super territorial there there are a lot of beavers high densities of beavers and and it seems like they they respond really well so you can draw them out um, quite a ways away from the house or the dam uh, where where um, where it's convenient for you to, to trap them and and uh, use that use a good caster lure uh, well, that's good to hear I, I usually run quite a few caster nets here yeah and, and even I, I've seen guys do like um, dive sets with 330 dive sets in like little channels in between like gra- grass hummocks and stuff on the edge of a beaver flowage and they'll just put like caster on top of the dive stick oh, and it's wow. like 50 60 feet or more away from the beaver house but like like one of the guys told me that that taught me that set he said uh right at dark the very first beaver that's going to come out of that lodge is going to be the biggest adult beaver usually adult male and he's going to come out and he's going to get to the surface of the water and he's immediately going to do a perimeter check so okay. so he's gonna go all the way around um the flowage around the house check the dam go through everything and he's gonna be smelling for every any potential danger or anything different from the last time he he was out and that's when that you know that beaver is gonna pick up on on that scent and uh, go and investigate that caster or whatever scent that you have so so that's a good opportunity he always said that he caught the biggest beavers using that type of set and the the other thing is um if if you draw them away 
um, from the house, you tend to not spook the rest of the beavers in the house. Whereas, oh, okay. you know, if you make a couple sets right at, say, the two entrances to the house, um, yeah. if, if it's a bank den, that's not a problem because they have one way out, right? They got to get out and, and you can yes. cover those. But I've done that in a house, just a house right in the middle of a, a flowage. And they'll one beaver gets caught at the main entrance and it's, it's sitting there right in the run. They'll dig entrances. They'll dig new exits out of the house and go around that. I've, I've seen it happen. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once they wise up, they're certainly not easy to catch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, could you tell me uh, more on the jaw tag label? So, like, I think it's, from what I was reading, required for Martin and Otter and maybe Bobcat. Like the jaw tag samples. Yes, or you, you, have to, you have to provide tooth samples and this is something that's relatively recent as well i think it was four or five years ago this began um, you have to provide tooth samples for all martin fisher otter and bobcat and and it, with bobcat you also have to provide a tissue sample um, i've never had to do that because we don't have bobcats up here but um, for the rest of them you you have to pull either pull a canine tooth or just give them the lower jaw and okay. what I typically do is I just take um, you got to be careful because that tooth actually goes especially like that lower bottom canine tooth that root of the tooth goes all the way back like halfway back um, to, to the end of the jaw hmm. if, if that makes sense it goes yeah. it goes like yeah. within the it's embedded within the jawbone and, and uh, at first I was just cutting off you know, taking bolt cutters and cutting the jaw right close to the end of the tooth where I thought the end of the tooth was. And I was yeah. breaking the root and they weren't able to get good ages on those uh, Martin and Fisher. And so, so typically I'll just go as far back in the jaw as I can with bolt cutters and just crack, crack, you know, make a couple yeah. cuts and, and I put that in a bag and provide the, you get a, they give you tags that ask for the month, uh, the species, the sex and mm -hmm. the year well obviously the year, the month and year the species and the sex okay. so you want to check make sure you know whether it's a male or a female um, and keep track of when you caught it okay so are those tags something you have to pick up or if you when you purchase a license when they send your license in the mail they will send you a, a sheet of tags oh okay okay yep. And uh, I think I read something about tagging beaver after the season ends or before the season ends. Yeah, so almost almost all furs here have to be tagged um, okay. by the state. The exception is weasel, muskrat, and raccoon. I, I don't think there's – I think those are the three. Skunk. Skunk don't need to be tagged either. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, beaver, Martin Fisher, um, of course, you're, you're – Bobcat and otters need to have CITES tags, which yeah, yeah, you get them in the same place. But um, the, so what you what you're gonna want to do this this is one of the biggest challenges for people coming to Maine from out of state uh, that they don't realize until it's time to go home is that they can't find a place to tag their fur. So the fur can be tagged at a a local tagging station. 
Okay. Or by an inland fisheries and wildlife personnel in one of the off offices, the regional offices, or by a game warden by special appointment. And if you wait till the last minute and you don't haven't arranged anything and you go to the tagging station, you may find out that they're closed or they no longer tag fur. I have a friend that this happened to this past season. He's a local guy and and he had one place that said they're no longer tagging fur. He had one place that they do tag fur. They didn't have any tags. He had one place that tags fur and they the people said they were too busy to tag his fur. Wow. And he was just like exasperated. He didn't know what to do. And finally he went to the owner of that place that said they're too busy and gave him hell and they uh they made the time for him but um <laughs> you do want to check on that ahead of time like if you're swinging through town um check on the local tagging station and just maybe stop in and usually it's just like a convenience store that they'll sell like food fat fast food and gas and sodas stuff like that and uh maybe swing in and just say hey just wanted to check make sure you guys are still tagging for um and okay uh, or you could call the local warden, which is always a good idea anyway, because they're gonna know that you're there, and they're if they if they suspect that you know you might not be following the rules or paying attention to the rules, they're gonna watch you. Um, okay. But it doesn't hurt um, the, the, to to call ahead of time. Just say, hey, uh, I'm gonna be trapping this area. Just wanted to let you know who I am, and uh, I I'd like to tag some fur, and and if you do have the opportunity, I'd really appreciate you know, maybe making the time to meet up with me and tag some fur uh, before okay. I leave. So now do, I know it's different up in Maine, but so here in Ohio, we have 88 counties and we have one warden per. So obviously in Maine, you don't have as many counties. So yeah, they just, we have less counties, but more wardens. Yeah. I think we have like a hundred and, we have 16 counties. I think we have like a hundred and something wardens, 125 wow. maybe. Yeah. But, but those are focused on the Southern areas, uh, where there are, are a lot larger population. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, can I find the local wardens number on the uh, website then? Uh, nope. You, what you would probably have to do is at, at, in the back of the book, like the last page of the trapping book, there's a, uh, a map of the state of Maine and it has all of the regional offices. There are six regional offices for fish and wildlife management, okay. uh, A through G. And they're spread out evenly throughout the state geographically. And mm -hmm. you look at where you're gonna be trapping and look at the closest regional office and the phone numbers are right there to call them. Okay. So you would just, you would call that regional office and ask uh, the secretary who's there or whoever answers the phone, just um, tell them where you're going to be trapping and ask if, if you could be in contact with the game warden. And, and typically what's going to happen, they, they, she may, she or he or she may not give you their number, um, but they'll, they'll take your number and have the warden give you a call. Okay. And they're, in my experience, they're really good at getting back to people. Oh, okay. Good to hear. Um, kind of speaking on that, reading in the book. So I was uh, looking at the application I'd have to fill out to buy a license. And uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for a non-resident adult, it's $318. Um, but I saw something, it was talking about non-resident college student traffic. I'm not familiar with that. There was something on, uh, said non-resident college student, and it was, I think it was $36. It was a lot cheaper. Really? But there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, criteria that you had to, you know, you had to be qualified for. Like, certain age, certain, uh, like, college transcripts and stuff like that. I didn't know if you heard about that. No, I, I actually haven't. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, I'm just looking through the trapping in the law book. I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing that right now. Hmm. Um, I... You obviously got your safety course for Ohio, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might be it, that might apply for someone who's from Maine but attending college in another state. Oh, okay. That would make that would make sense. Yeah, I I would that's what I would guess it would be. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll probably just have to end up buying the adult non resident. Yeah, there is um there there is a definition of, of a resident that includes a full time student at a main college or university who satisfies uh certain requirements, but that wouldn't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they don't they don't care about college students from other states man <laughs> they just want your money yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so uh the built-up section of a town are organized and unorganized towns you can find those on the main trappers website you can find organized and unorganized towns in main trappers website <laughs> the built-up okay. section has to do with the number of houses within certain distance of each other Okay. Um, there is a definition there. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it does. It is pretty specific. Um, you're probably not gonna have to worry about that. Okay. Um, cool. what you will, what you will want to consider, and it just depends on where you're gonna go, where you're gonna trap. Um, but you, if you're closer to town, you are going to have different check laws depending on whether you're in an organized or an unorganized town, which okay. is another crazy thing here where it, if you're beaver trapping with con bears or drowning sets, if you're in an unorganized town, the check law is five days. Okay. The same exact set. If it's in an organized town, the check law is three days. Okay. If it's in the built-up section of an organized town, it's one day. Okay. Wow. So, but I suspect that where you're going to be, where you're thinking of trapping, uh, you're probably going to be all pretty much unorganized. So, okay. And and even if you you're going to do some trapping in some organized sections, you're you're on vacation. You're going to be checking every three days, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd have to have a lot of gear out to to not be able to check it every three days in the course of a week or two. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll be on vacation anyway. So I figure that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Um, the one thing that you'll want to, you'll want to keep in mind is um, depending on exactly where you go, uh, you, you'll be close to the North main woods, which is actually a gated section, gated area. Um, 
of industrial timberland where you have to pay a user fee to access. Okay. And I don't know like what you plan on for where to stay and, and uh, your accommodations, if you're going to camp or sleep in your truck. Have you thought of any of that yet? Uh, I've been thinking about it. I haven't really made any solid decisions yet. Would you have any recommendations? Um, if, if money was really not uh, an object, I would go right in the North Main Woods and set up at one of their campsites. Okay. Uh, but they're, they have become extremely expensive. Oh, um, wow. So basically the campsite is, it, it's, it's pretty sweet. I mean, it's basically, there's all these campsites they maintain on within this industrial timberland. And they're usually like on waterways and stuff and they're all roadside and they have outhouses and, and uh, picnic tables and usually have some shelters, like just, you know, get out of covered picnic table areas, get out of the rain a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nice flat ground to set your tent and they mow the lawn and clean the trash um, throughout the summer and fall. But to use those, the fees have gotten uh, mainly because of the increase in the minimum wage here. Um, it, it has become very basically the, the logging companies don't make any money from people camping. They basically just pay for the upkeep and maintenance of recreation out there uh, of all these sites. And because it's become more expensive to have people attending the gates and collecting fees and have people out there maintaining campsites. Um, it is the fees have risen considerably like big time um, and so if you're going if you just pay by the day and overnight I think it's um, well for residents because I'll tell you what I pay um, $11 a day to get through the gate and $12 a night to stay at a campsite oh wow and so you, you know if you go in one day stay two nights come back the third day you're going to pay three days for 33 dollars and two nights for 24 so you're like seven 70 bucks wow um, yeah that's tough. so uh you can buy uh and that's a resident i don't non-resident's going to be more than that yeah um, yeah you you can buy a season pass if you're going to be there i think i think like uh eight trips will pay for your season pass basically uh, of okay. day trips so you'll be right on the edge of that um, what I would consider, though, is I'd consider staying at some sort of a, a campground or or something on the edge of town, but okay. not within that area. Not to say I I don't I don't want to cause North Main Woods to lose any business, but um, they they get there's you're a college student, man. You get, <laughs> you, <laughs> money is yeah. a, it, money is a consideration. So um you you might find a place that that's outside of the gates uh, that where you can just uh you know set up a tent and and uh, mm -hmm. camp out and then and then travel in every day and just pay for day use mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense huh, thank you you could you could also just hang hang on around the edges you know in the towns and stuff but it's i don't know you're not going to have as much ground. You're going to have to worry about permission and having people around. I, that's not my kind of trapping. I like to go out in the woods. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Now, as far as, like, trapping and camping, what uh, what kind of weather should I expect uh, late November? So it really is an unpredictable time of year here. Okay. 
and the, you just can't plan on it, plan for it. Uh, if you have you, you ever watched some of my, like my Martin trapping YouTube videos? Yeah. 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 So like I've I've been the like the tenth of November on snowmobile with two feet of snow, and <laughs> because I couldn't drive the truck anymore. <laughs> and I've also been um, this year. I finished all my trapping on truck. It was close. It was tight. You know, I had to put chains on all four tires and some in some places but that was well into december i I was able to do it with a pickup so you really don't know i mean you're gonna want to have um a four-wheel drive vehicle any any time after i'd say about the 10th of november it could go in it could go either way 10th or 15th of november before then it's really rare to get a foot or two of snow and okay. it's it's even more rare for it to stay around. I think the last time that happened that I can remember was 2013. We got we got a foot of snow. Might have, it was 13? Yeah, 13. It happened. Um, no, it happened once since then. I want to say, um, some it was a few years ago. But we got a foot of snow in early November, and then the next week we got another foot, and it stayed all winter long. But typically oh. before Thanksgiving, it it's not likely to stay. Okay, um, but but it, it's touch and go. So there's guys from out of state that come here to hunt uh, muzzleloader season for to track big bucks because you got big 200 plus pound whitetail deer in in northern Maine, and uh, they one of the things that they would say is usually you can get around with your pickup, but you got to have four wheel drive, you got to have chains, and you got to have a high lift jack. Um, and and maybe you know come along or two just to mm-hmm. to be safe yeah have have us at least one spare tire maybe two spare tires um okay hmm. so weather as far as far as weather goes totally unpredictable you're gonna have precipitation the the okay. only question is is it gonna be rain or is it gonna be snow <laughs> <laughs> So should the should the water stay open? Do you think? Yes. Or yes. Um, okay. Let's see. T- 20, uh, 2018, Everything froze in November. That was a weird year. Um, it like it was it froze solid. Even the big lakes froze in November. It was the, it was wow. it was nuts. Stuff that usually doesn't freeze till mid December was frozen mid November. But wow. um, most of the time, the, the water will still be open. Um, I don't think, you know, I, you know, you probably want to bring a chisel Do you, if, if you have like a, you know, I don't know what you call it, ice, a spud or ice chisel or whatever. Um, I, I would, I would bring one, but I think that you're still going to be trapping open water that time of year. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. You'll have, you, you may, and it, it's really hard to tell because I'm thinking back like this year I set some beaver sets when I was Martin trapping and, and, uh, it was, you know, it was from one check to the next check. It was completely different from completely open water trapping to, uh, everything froze over within five days. So you really, but that was, yeah, that was early December, early Mm. first, second week of December. So. Now, uh, as far as like beaver trapping there, do you have any odds of picking off an otter? Or are they yes. Kind of... Yes. Um, yes. Otter, otter are quite common. 
and really? I pick up a lot of otter incidental to beaver trapping. Um, wow. Okay. I think you'll probably notice that the major river systems probably have more otter. Yeah. Um, and areas like between lakes, like thoroughfares, um, connections, you know, rivers, streams, whatever, in between two lakes that are pretty short distance. Um, places, otter really like places that stay, keep open water throughout the wintertime and large river systems where they can travel long distances. Uh, they, for, for someone who's just coming up for a week or so, it, it, you can't really set on otter sign in my experience because they, they seem to run really large circuits. So if you see otter tracks, they might stick around for a day or two, but typically they're on the move and they might not be back for like three weeks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but they will be back. They, they will yeah. be back. It's, it's very predictable. And, uh, you know, the places where I have otter come through, if I set and I keep to it and stick to it for three weeks, and usually what happens in three weeks is everything freezes up and then it changes completely. They come <laughs> through, but they don't come where your trap is. But, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would just set hard for beaver and you're going to have a good chance of picking up an otter. Wow. Okay. One, uh, one, one good place to, to, um, that I always think about catching otter is, is down below beaver dams where you have that, like maybe like a after the water kind of cascades over the beaver dam and then it forms, starts to form a channel or yeah. come back to a channel where in the smaller streams where that channel's really narrow, like the width of a three thirty, those are, I always feel like those are ideal otter spots. I've caught quite a few otters in those. Wow. Interesting. I had a, I had a friend that lived up in Maine and, I was asking him kind of about the trapping and stuff. He uh, he didn't seem to know too much about otters, so that's that's encouraging to hear they're pretty common. Yeah, you don't really hear, it, especially like guys that trapped a long time ago. They they never really talked about catching too many otter, but the last like twenty years, fifteen twenty years, they've just seemed to have exploded. I don't I don't know if it's just the lack of beaver trappers and there's fewer otter being harvested, or or if it's I I really don't know what it is, but um, mink, mink are just very hard to find these days. And the old timers used to catch a lot, quite a lot of mink. Um, wow. I can almost, I caught one mink last season. And I, before that, I think it was five years I went without catching a mink. Um, and I'm in, you know, I'm in some muskrat country. I'm, I, I've got one area I've caught at least 150 to 200 muskrats and I've only ever caught one mink there. <laughs> wow. Um, but I've caught probably eight otter in that same spot. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing with otter is like bridge abutments. Um, any like, you know, edges where they're crossing, they'll go a lot of times at a crossing road crossing. They'll go, they'll go up over the road and where they're coming back down or where they're coming off the, out of the water and going back into the water are really good spots. Ah, the crossovers. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's, I always like to hear about, you know, populations and stuff in other states. It's pretty, varies greatly from hmm, your state to mine, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so, Ohio, uh, Ohio's probably a pretty good mink state, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. They seem, they seem pretty common all over the state. I know a lot of guys that, you know, it's, 
it's not really too hard to pick off maybe half a dozen or ten or so just while muskrat trapping. Yep. Uh, we do, muskrats are kind of spotty in the state. There's not very many, from my experience anyways, in the southern part compared to the northern, kind of up by the lake. Um, yeah, they seem to have they seem to have declined just about everywhere in the country. Yeah, yeah. Definitely on the decline. Uh, otter, they're really spotty. There's some far northeast, up kind of closer to Pennsylvania, and southeast, somewhat closer to West Virginia. But, uh, yeah, it's like the whole... seems like the western side of the state really doesn't have nearly as many. Same with beaver, I mean... It's. It seems like everything's in pockets here, almost. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you are. Wow, you're gonna be. Your fee is a sixteen dollars a day for a non-resident. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, you better catch the fur. <laughs> yeah, it'll take a lot of beaver to pay that off, huh? There, but but there are areas that are outside of that system as well. That just that opens up three and a half million acres of land. So it's it's kind of a big deal because once you get past those gates, you can go just about anywhere. But yeah. um, but that that being said, there is a lot of ground that you could trap, and especially with beaver, because uh, of the whole permission landowner permission thing. Um, you can you can trap like you could still trap a lot of woods without being actually within that that North Main Woods system. Mm. So pretty much as long as it's not closed or posted, beaver are fair game, huh? Yeah. 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 And and yeah, there's some distances from houses that you gotta watch, but I, I don't I don't go to those areas anyway. I mean I I like to find the places where they're just you know they I got friends that they just they love to run long trap lines and they'll go just about everywhere and the, and they'll be they catch a lot of beaver going through those um more like those residential areas and just hit all the, the culvert crossings and yeah. they do great. But I, I just don't like it. I, there's people around, people are wondering what you're doing and I don't know. Yeah. To me, it's not the same experience. Yeah, I get that. I know what you're saying. Hmm. So, uh, will a lot of my trapping up there be kind of through off of logging roads and stuff? Is that a main way of getting around? Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be you'll you'll have the opportunity to trap on some pavement, but um, to really cover ground and and um, access a lot of that area, you're gonna be off of dirt roads. Okay. And and the majority of them, like the main roads, are gonna be used, but you're gonna spend a lot of time on like side logging roads that there's a good chance that they haven't been actually logged for you know at least five years um, or, or in some cases 20 or 30 years and they're just, but the roads are still there and people just ride around hunting moose and deer and bear and stuff and, and uh, use those for recreation. So there's just a massive road system. Um, Some people are overwhelmed by it, um, worried about, you know, getting lost and getting turned around and stuff. So uh, there's just so many different places to go on those, those dirt roads. Oh, amazing. So uh, the odds of me running into hunters are probably pretty high that time of year, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, the deer season is – so you're going to be Thanksgiving week? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be – oh, yeah, you'll be running into hunters for sure. Um, 
the the deer season closes the general season closes the saturday after thanksgiving and mm-hmm. then the following week it's muzzleloader special muzzleloader season and that that the pressure will drop way off there'll, okay there'll be a lot fewer people out but um yeah you'll see people you'll meet people on the road but they won't have a clue what you're doing <laughs> good yeah just put an orange vest on and they'll think you're a hunter just like them yeah now is there any laws uh regarding wearing orange while during a hunting uh nope no I, okay nope you don't need orange to for trapping okay and even even if you have uh, a gun if you're just using that to dispatch animals um you don't you don't need to worry about it okay um but, but if you know if you're walking around with a a 20 gauge with a bird shot in it obviously you you know you should be wearing orange <laughs> yeah i uh i think here in ohio if it's if you're trapping during the deer season you're supposed to wear orange okay huh so so that's that's not a thing no and the other thing here is there's no hunting on sunday okay Um, so you you will not see anybody on sunday (laughs) okay the woods are so quiet on sundays here it's it's great wow wow yeah that's uh that works out well for trapping huh yeah it it, the hunter in me is gets frustrated by it but the trapper in me loves it (laughs) yeah uh yeah, that's understandable. Hmm. I'm going through my paper here, and it looks like you've answered most of my questions. Yeah, that's good. I hope I haven't uh, discouraged you from coming. No, no. You've, uh, you've really helped me out. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem, man. You uh, you really helped me out a lot more than the reading regulations and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the cool thing is, you know, uh, um, if you may – you spend enough time out there, you may run into another trapper and stop and, you know, talk to him and, and you may get to know him and, and you'll learn a whole lot more too. You, you know, you run into the right person and make friends and who knows, you may, you may be a guy that ends up coming up here every fall to do a little trapping. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So right on. Well, yeah, I guess, uh, feel free to shoot me an email or anything if you got more questions and, and uh, glad it glad it was able to help out. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. All right, you too. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye.